hokimai. As Trin said, uh, we are in the past the middle of the 10 series. And if you've been tuning in regularly, you'll know what that's all about. If you haven't, if this is your first time with us, then it's called the 10 and it's about the 10 commandments. But um, many people know the 10 commandments, like we all know the law, right? But do we know the heart behind God's law? I love, I don't know if you can see it, but I love the actual subtitle of the series. It's called The Ten, but the subtitle is Discovering the Heart Behind the Law. Um, And God's heart is for our good. And so I just want you to know that he is a good father. Some people think that God is sitting in heaven with a baseball bat waiting to smack us over the head when we do something wrong. Uh, Spoiler alert, he's not. God actually wants a good future for us. He wants the best for us, just like we want the best for our kids or our friends or our loved ones. Uh, My daughter Avery and I were driving uh, home from some errands the other day and she wanted me to put some music through my phone and I explained to her. She she loves listening to uh, the chipmunks and apart from the fact that the chipmunks was the last thing that I wanted to listen to. I explained to her that I was driving and that I couldn't put it on because they would actually be breaking the law and we were driving past the police station at the time. So um, I thought that I'd better not. But that got us started about, Mama, why do we have rules? And she, her favourite part of the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie is the part where they're at Ian's house And Ian's one and only rule is that there are no rules. Um, She's six, by the way. Uh, So it got us talking about the reason for rules. And we came to the conclusion that that to keep us safe and make sure that we don't hurt other people so we can be alive and well. And we used the example of seatbelts, where she would rather not wear a seatbelt because she sees them as annoying. Um, She's six, again. I see them as a safeguard because I want my kids to be alive. I want them to have a great life. And there are some crazy drivers out there. And so I say that to say this. As you digest this series, keep this in mind that God's heart behind the law is for your good and for a better future. Where you may see the law as a hindrance or an annoyance, God's heart behind the law is to keep his children safe from sin with healthy hearts. Because our hearts, um, I see all of these laws, the root of it is our hearts and the condition of our hearts. And they all kind of connect in that way because God's heart is for our hearts. And Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And so that what, that's what connects all of these commandments. Uh, You shall not covet deals with our thoughts and desires. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor deals with our words. And the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this morning is from Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, which says, you shall not steal. And this deals with our actions. Stealing is a physical action. And in a study done by CNN in the USA, it was found that 79% of employees admitted to stealing from their employers. And statistics say that one out of every three businesses that goes under is because of employee theft. That was probably before COVID. 
Um, but there is blatant stealing, which is against us as individuals, like our house being robbed or our car or our wallet being stolen. But then there's impersonal stealing against councils, companies, organisations. There are people in jail for insurance fraud and benefit fraud, and we can have the mindset that these big corporations, um, they're not going to miss. Uh, they're not going to be hurt if we skim a little off the bottom line. And this is the big, very obvious stuff. Uh, like Madison said the other week, the bar was set pretty low with do not murder because we don't make a habit of going around murdering. And the average person I know doesn't commit crimes like extortion or embezzlement. I mean, I had to Google what those words meant. Um, so we can kind of pass this one off as like, yeah, I'm not robbing banks. I'm not like good girls. I'm not hiding money in offshore accounts. So I'm all good. And we understand stealing. It could seem that this is a pretty easy one to work through because it literally says, do not steal. I like, don't rob a bag or stuff things into your hoodie and then walk out of the warehouse because you'll end up on one of those bulletin boards that says, do you know these people? With all the like really blurry security camera shots. Um, but then there's the stealing, which we don't really rate as stealing because we have this kind of invisible line that anything below it is okay. Even though the Bible says that all sin is sin, we still compare. Like, yeah, I did that, but at least I'm not like so-and-so. Did you see what she did? That was way worse than what I did. And there's things like taking office supplies from work or making personal toll calls on company phones, extended coffee breaks, long lunches, arriving late but not making up the time, stealing someone's ideas, watching pirated movies, downloading illegal music. You get the idea. And we say things like, oh, they will never notice, or they can afford it, or they owe me, so it doesn't really matter. It's not really theft. And the Western world is more prosperous now than it has ever been, and generally has all the things we could ever want, yet we still want more. And the problem is that in order to get more of what we want, there is a price. And some people have no problem with avoiding that price, or rather trying to avoid that price. We steal because we don't want to pay for something ourselves or we can't afford it. Um, the thing about stealing, though, is that you still pay a price, even if it's not the dollar value. Perhaps it's in people not trusting you or getting caught and having a record or you pay a price in the lie to cover things up or the guilt that you feel for doing that action. Now, I mentioned a couple of other commandments, and that's because the sins of coveting, lying, and stealing are all linked. Last week, Pastor Craig said that sin starts before an action, long before an action. It starts in our hearts. And that leads to a thought, and it flows on from there. Before we steal, we covet it, we notice it, we observe it, we desire it, and that leads to stealing it. Then after we steal, we lie to cover it up, or we lie to ourselves by justifying that it wasn't actually stealing in the first place. Another commandment that's closely linked is idolatry, and I spoke on this a little while ago. Idolatry distorts our view, and the things that are not important begin to crowd out um, the values that actually are important. You know, capital G, God, and his values get crowded out and we make lowercase g gods of other things like money, relationships, and image. 
keeping up with the Joneses. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the point here is that by making possessions our God, we open up the door to stealing. This stealing is a result of us turning material things into, um, we search for these things for fulfillment rather than God. And then we become more concerned about these things, we go after them, and it goes on from there. But whose things are they anyway? First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 to 12 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. Everything belongs to God, and nothing actually belongs to us. We have no rights over property and wealth. It's not ours. Everything belongs to God. I no more own my car and my bank balance than I own my library books. Like a library book, those things have been issued to me, but they remain the possessions of God, and one day it will all be returned to him. The difference is, if I return my library books... The librarian will smile and say, thank you. Maybe it'll be Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Um, But when I return to God one day, he will want to know what I did with all that he lent me. He's not just going to say, thank you. You can go in. He's going to want to know what I did with it. What did I do with what he trusted me with? And this gives stealing a whole new perspective. Because when I steal, I'm not just wrongfully taking something from someone else but I'm stealing from God. And therefore, stealing insults God's generosity. When we steal, we're denying God's care and love towards us. God has given us many gifts, not because we deserve them, but because God delights in blessing us. We deserve nothing, yet God blesses us richly. God gave us his life, and he's also given us everything on earth to sustain us. And the Bible says that we cannot count the number of blessings that God has given us. So we need to stand up to stealing. How do we do this? I'm glad you asked. Uh, The first thing is to be honest about your actions in this area. Rather than people admitting to stealing, we kind of say things like, we borrowed it, or we acquired it, or we helped themselves, or it fell off the back of a truck. However, much better it makes us feel like using these alternative words. Stealing is stealing. And some people get caught up in the Robin Hood mentality, thinking that there are respectable types of theft, stealing from the rich to give to the poor. And that's just a justification for it, but it's still stealing. For our family this past month, we've had to be honest about account sharing. Um, We have been using my sister's Netflix account for a long time now. And we danced around using polite words for it, and we even looked into the terms and conditions to see if we were actually doing anything illegal before we recognised it for what it was, and we deleted it, much to our children's dismay. 
So be honest and be brutal like we were when you confront things for what they are and stop avoiding the price. Uh, you realise what you can and can't live without. No, I'm now like, do we really need Netflix now that we have to pay for it ourselves? Uh, the second thing is make amends. If you realise this morning that you've stolen something, then make amends. This is not a message of condemnation because that would be like the pot calling the kettle black. This is about aligning ourselves with God's values so that we can walk more closely with him and free of the things that hold us back. Luke chapter 19 verses 1 to 10 is the story of Zacchaeus. And he was a tax collector. And tax collectors were not well liked at that time. And people didn't even hide their disdain for them. They just straight up hated on them. Um, And so there was Zacchaeus and he had heard that Jesus was coming and he was short. And so he climbed up a tree to see Jesus. Someone sitting up in a tree would kind of stand out a lot. And so Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down and I want to have a meal with you. Um, Can you imagine the uproar that that caused with all the other people who were like, why do you want to go and have dinner with that scumbag? Like, hello, I pay my taxes, I do all the good things. Why don't you want to eat with me? But Jesus chose Zacchaeus. And after a meal with him, Zacchaeus realized his discretions and he made amends. In verse 7, saying, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Where we can, it's important to make amends for thefts we have committed. Say sorry, ask forgiveness, pay back what was taken. It's a pretty simple message this morning. But in all of this, God cares about our hearts. Out of our hearts grow all the things that shape our lives, our values, our thoughts, and our attitudes. And like I said, this is not a message of condemnation. And so we're going to focus on how to move on from stealing. How can we combat stealing? How can we stand up to stealing? And standing up to stealing means moving forward with the right attitudes to keep our hearts in a good place. I read the other day that our attitude is more important than our circumstances because it determines our response. And so the first attitude to stand up to stealing is to hate greed. Greed leads to theft, and we want so much that we don't mind how we get it. A bishop in South America, Dom Halder Kamara, said, I used to think when I was a child that Christ might have been exaggerating when he warned about the dangers of wealth. Today I know better. I know how hard it is to be rich and still keep the milk of human kindness. Money has a dangerous way of putting scales on one's eyes, a dangerous way of freezing people's hands, eyes, lips and hearts. So ask yourself, what are you investing your time and energy in? Is the pursuit of wealth pulling your life off course? What are you longing for? Where is your treasure? And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The second thing is to love giving. Every time you give, you are rebelling against a life dominated by possessions or wealth. And if we've made a practice of regular giving, then it's hard to be tempted to steal. If you've not acquired the habit of giving, then I urge you to start. And I also commend those of you who gave to the stack load of groceries that were donated to the Franklin Family Support Services. That's the type of thing I'm talking about. Your giving doesn't have to just be money. 
but it can be your time, hospitality, and material things. And that's what stands up to stealing. When we make a habit of giving, then it's stealing doesn't even come onto our radar. And can I suggest that we examine our hearts and see which area, if any, we are most tempted to steal, whether it's money, time, or entertainment. Then what we can do is to make a point of giving in that particular area instead. Giving is the best antidote for becoming a slave to possessions. For example, maybe you're guilty of doing personal jobs and work time. Sometimes it's easy to let those things creep in that you have to get done. Um, so being generous in that area of time would be to maybe volunteer your time to help out at a local charity. Am I making sense this morning? I know that I can't even hear your answers, but I know personally, however much that I've given away, God has always given far more back. And if we're to be like him, then we too should be generous. He is so generous to us, and we should be modelling that in our actions. When we give, we are in a little way imitating God and doing good with what he's entrusted us with. So like our library box, when we meet God one day, we will be able to tell him of all the good things that we did with what he trusted us with. And in our giving, we must have the last attitude I want to talk about, and that's to trust God. We need to rely on God who gives us all we need. Now, there have been times where I've been... um, felt to give but quietly being like are you sure God because um if I do that then there's not going to be much money left for me um and then like, okay 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 well you're gonna have to help me out now because now I don't have any money left and we kind of like have this little tug of war going on our hearts of what to give but I'm like okay I'm gonna give away groceries Without God, there shouldn't have been enough money for my own groceries after that, but we've never missed a meal. Our family has never missed a meal. We've never been without. We've never lacked anything our family has needed. And there was an example. We regularly, quite regularly get bargain box. And so we knew this family who was in need, and we decided to redirect it, our one, to them for the week. And so... I organised it, and there's the pantry staples that you have, so we bought all of those things, dropped them off, waiting for the delivery. And then a box turned up at our door, and I was like, oh my gosh, they sent it to the wrong people, and now they've just got these random selection of pantry staples, and they've got no box. So I messaged the people, I was like, did it come? They were like, yeah, yeah, thank you so much. And I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, thank you, God. He always, when we give, he always provides. I don't know who sent that one to us, but there we go. When we give, God will always give us back more. And our family is a a testament to that. We've never, never, ever gone without. And it takes trust, but when we've been generous, God steps in and provides for us, and he'll do the same for you too. Maddie, could you jump up? I just want to read from Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 to 9. Oh God, I beg two favours from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. 
So we must learn to rely on God, God rather than possessions, investments and bank balances and give God the space to be the provider and giver that he wants us to be for us. You know, we talk about Jehovah Jireh, but are we actually giving him the space to, to be that for us or are we just um, striving and doing everything for ourselves and there's actually no room for God to be Jehovah Jireh? So often we say that um, that he is our provider, but we're not in the position to actually need his provision. So I encourage you to give till it hurts and see what happens. Be in a place where you're in need, and that might be during this COVID lockdown. Maybe your income has been reduced. Give in this time anyway and see what happens because God wants to step in and when we are generous, when we trust him, when we hate greed, when we love giving, he is going to step in and that puts a stand to, to stealing. We're standing up to stealing when we do that. When we throw ourselves onto God, our prayer takes on a whole new dimension. I was reading in a devotion about the differences between uh, people's prayers in the Western world and in uh, the third world countries. And particularly this example was about Asia. And in the Western world, we say like, God, take these struggles away. But in this other country, I think it was somewhere in Asia, I can't quite remember. But they never think to pray that. It never comes onto their radar. And this person noticed that all of their prayers, even though they went through so much more struggle and persecution than in the Western world, their prayers weren't, take this away from me, God. They were, God, give me the strength to endure it. And I thought that was so awesome that no matter what we go through, that we can seek Him and He will always take us through those things. So whether you're going through a hardship right now, whether you're finding it hard with kids being stuck at home, uh, try and step out and give and it'll put a stand to stealing.